Hey guys, welcome to the show. Keith Razor with my trusty sidekick, Alan Lee. How are you? Yeehaw. All right. We're about to interview the great Lunell, and uh, I'm excited. Are you excited? No, I am, uh, because I, I forgot how much of an impression I had or have of her. And uh, when I realized that she'd done the Borat uh, movie, one of my favorite movies, comedy movies, Actually, I almost considered that his best one. Uh, and she was in it, as you know. She played uh, the, uh, the prostitute. Yeah. She's and also she in the current number one streaming Amazon Prime movie of all time, Coming to America, starring to America. Eddie Murphy, yeah. Arsenio Hall, yeah. Wesley Snipes, mm -hmm. and the great Lunell. Subscribe, yeah. rate, and review to the show, guys. Follow us at Razor Riffs and enjoy the interview with Lunell. You ready, Alan Lee? We are ready as always. All right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Linnell. Hello. Hey, Linnell. How are you? Hi. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm having a internet bad connections. Are, are you in Los Angeles? No. Uh, the Spectrum. It's a terrible. My co-host isn't. He might not be able to come, so we'll just get started. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show, though. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, you doing good? Yeah, I'm actually in Texas. I'm um, recovering from knee replacement surgery, so I won't be back in Los Angeles till the first part of May. Oh, nice. Yeah, but your surgery went well? It went all smooth and healthy? Yeah, it's my second one. I did my left knee, and I've done my right knee, and uh, everything's going along fine. Awesome. You know, one of the things, like, uh, I thought was, because, like, I like... Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I try not to ask the same questions. And one of the things I really liked uh, about listening to interviews with you is uh, when Gary Owen interviewed you, you uh, called Godfrey and you like patched up that thing. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a very right now type of chick. <laughs> so. so you're in Coming to America too. That's the number one movie streaming on Amazon. What's that? Like, uh, because you were in Dynamite, which was on Netflix, which was the number one streaming for Netflix, and now it's Amazon Prime. Like, how are the servers different for you as an artist? Well, it was Dolomite, not Dynamite. Oh, did I say Dynamite? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I said Dolomite. <laughs> no, I said Dynamite. But that's okay. And um, in, I mean, I'm not shocked at the numbers. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not shocked at that. I, I expected it to be the one of the highest um, streaming movies on the streaming services. I expected that because this was a well-anticipated film, you know? Yeah. Now, what was that like auditioning for that? Did uh, your friendship with Eddie Murphy get you into it or did you audition for it? I did not audition. I think my friendship with Eddie might have had something to do with it, but I think it was more about the friendship I, friendship I have with the director, Craig Brewer, because Craig also directed Dolomite, where I had auditioned seven times for that film for a certain part. I didn't get that part, but I got the part of the ant, which I'm glad about as well, because that scene was just Eddie and I alone together. You know, I didn't have to share the scene with anybody, so I was really happy about that. And it's, yeah, Craig and I became friends during the audition process for Dolomite. So when when Coming to America came up, I guess just wanted to work with me again and didn't have any objections from Eddie. So boom. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, just before before we continue, uh, Alan Lee, the co-host, is in. I don't know if you saw him, but he just got in. And... I heard a ding, but I didn't <laughs> see nobody. <laughs> I don't Alan know. Here just to Hi, say bad stuff about me already, but <laughs> I had a problem. Uh, logging in it's zoom.us uh, it had these two or three ones and well good to see you honey i uh, glad to meet you heard a lot about Thank you. you 
Lunell, do, do you uh, do you like being interviewed uh, more by comedians or people who are just like interviewers? Because I think comedians, it's more easier to do. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't make me any difference who interviews me. I find that if they're comedians that I already know, of course, we will have a rapport that, you know, I don't have with just an interviewer. But if it's comedians that I don't know, then, you know, that that would be the same as doing it for media. So I don't really have, I don't really care who interviews me as long as they don't, you know, like you say, ask me the same re repetitive questions that any novice interviewer would ask, you know? Yeah, so, and then, um, so we were going back on, Alan, just to catching you up, we were going about on Coming to America, which is now number one movie streaming on Amazon Prime. Congratulations, and, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I watched it, and I thought it was, I, I wouldn't say it was better than the first. It was different on the same level. Do you? Does that make sense? To me, it does because it's like first of all, it's other people that were competing this film with the first one. We never were trying to compete this movie with the first one because there never was gonna be a second one until they started thinking about it and talking about it maybe eight years ago, but the film was not originally made to have a sequel made after it. But um, I'm not surprised at the numbers. I'm not surprised at the reactions, good and bad, because uh, the people that I believe are trying to mm, pan it, I guess, at the same time, wish they were in it, you know, yeah. and so we're and and we're we're on such a high for that film, being able to work with all those people and work with Ruth Carter and see her garments uh, adorned on everybody, and to you know be associated with icons like um, you know Gladys Knight and In Vogue and stuff oh. like that, where you know my friends from Oakland because In Vogue's from the Oakland Bay area. And um, to work with Tracy and Eddie and myself, and the, you know, we're on such a high from having that experience that we're just not really paying any attention to any of the negative uh, flack, you know, at like at all. Like we just don't care because nothing's gonna make us not feel happy and proud of that film at all ever. Yeah. Now, a question I had is because, like, in that movie, uh, especially in your scenes, you're working with a lot of stand-up comedians like Tracy, Leslie, and uh, Eddie, and you've also done other movies. What's it like working with comedians on film compared to actually, like, actors? Like, how does that, like, make you feel as an artist? Is it easier or is it harder? Well, you know, uh, comedians can do their job and if they're required to, you know, in a star in a star is born, you had Andrew Dice Clay and Dave Chappelle and myself, uh, and I think it was another uh, comic. And I think Chris Eddie Griffin. Eddie, Eddie Griffin. Yeah. We that's four comics that were in there, and we just basically stuck to the script. But when you have a director that gives you freedom to go. Uh, do a couple, you know, that are on the book and then gives you the freedom to do a couple of takes where you kind of like do what it is they brought you there to do, which is to bring the magic that's not written on the page. Because a writer can be a writer, but a writer can't be a comic. They can might maybe make comic, comedic comments, but they can't do what we do because what we do is innate. It's in our DNA. So working with other, uh, being interviewed by uh, other comedians working with uh, other comedians is always fun. There's always an element of um, hilarity. There's oh, oh sorry. It's all good. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I thought I, I put it on Do Not Disturb. I don't know why I got a call. But there's always, um, you know, a bit of familiarity. There's a bit of knowing uh, the other person's timing and reaction and that's a lot of times what's golden and what makes the final cut is the improv that we do a lot of time. Yeah. Now, uh, and in the final cut, like uh, when they delete scenes and stuff, did a lot of your, because it seemed like your character was in it a lot, but it also seemed like they trimmed out a lot. Did they cut you out a lot or? 
Well, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but I mean, the movie can only be so long, you know? And with some of the improvisational stuff in there, you know, we could have went a lot longer. And I know yeah. there was a scene in the church where uh, Lavelle and, and Zamo, that's the real name, Zamo, uh, were going to get married, you know, the little liquor store, little church, little storefront church. Yeah. You remember that? And in the original cut, uh, we went in there and we didn't see anybody. We heard some noises and I pull a rope and the rope opens up and it's Arsenio, the reverend, in the baptismal pool, which is a jacuzzi, with a very dedicated and giving church member. You understand? Yeah. So that part got cut and we wish that it had not because that was pretty funny. But, you know, I think in an effort to keep it PG-13, that some of the stuff just didn't make the cut because it would not have been Now that that was another question. Like Arsenio Hall is one of my personal heroes. I mean, if you think about it, he's the guy who took down Johnny Carson. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like, what what was that like? Just working with him and it, like, was it intimidating? Or have you guys been friends before? Well, I was blessed enough to do the Arsenio Hall late night television show when he had it this last time I yeah. got a chance to perform. So I I I, I knew Eddie before Dolomite and I, and I knew um Arsenio before this film coming to America. Um I knew Eddie of course because I had been good friends with Charlie rest in peace and had been on you know out on the road with Charlie had done movies with Charlie had done uh, skits with Charlie and, and I knew Eddie from being in the club or you know just meeting and happenstance so even though working with him is still a very you know suck your breath in moment I had already sucked my breath in years ago when I met him before <laughs> but working with Arsenio is wonderful because he's um you know, he sort of like translates for Eddie or tells him what's been going on and he lets him have a little funny anecdotes of me and Arsenio shared some and I could tell when he was telling him the Eddie and pointing and stuff and laughing and, you know, I mean, it's hard to have a bad time with that many, you know, iconic people around you who are known for the humor, you know. Yeah. Now, <laughs> when you're on the set, do you guys like... uh like talk about how like what jokes would work and stuff or do you guys talk about the stand-up days because i've only done one movie and it was with a comedian and we just talked about stand-up the whole time we didn't really care about the script <laughs> no we don't we we you know there was a lot of story sharing i guess you could say months like tracy morgan and stuff like that but eddie pretty much was not you know hanging out with the crowd when he was off camera. And Arsenio, not so much either, but the Leslie, me, Rodney Perry, Tracy Morgan, um, Navreen and stuff like that, we would hang around more. And so it was really Tracy who set the mood for the day, because I don't know if you remember, do the right thing, but Tracy Morgan was sort of like Radio Raheem because he had his ghetto blaster on his shoulder and he would blast music. I remember, uh, you know, you can always hear him coming before you see him because he's always playing that music. And then one uh, time when they were setting up lights and we were just kicking it in the tent, uh, it's on my Instagram and my manager's Instagram too. I remember when Tracy was playing Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana and we were, everybody burst into a big air guitar, drum, whole concert, you know, air concert. And that was really that was really fun, and it was days like this that happened often. Yeah, I also heard like uh, like when you do a movie, you're probably one of the only stars that actually goes and talks to the extras and bring them food and stuff. Like that's pretty cool. How like what made you get really bring them food? I don't really bring them food because um, until I got my knee surgery, it was painful for me to even go get my own food. But I do try to talk to the extras and say hi because I, I've, I've only been an extra a very few times many, many years ago. But I know that feeling, that feeling when that person comes to talk to you and, you, you know, and you're just awestruck and you're so happy and stuff. 
And I don't see any reason to be rude to the extras. I talk a lot of trash. I mean, like, what are you guys eating? Oh, the, oh, you're eating that little box lunch. Yeah, we got lobster today. And don't you want to get your sag tart so you can eat what we eat? So I might tease them like that. But that should be motivation, damn it. But I don't, I don't really, uh, I, I, I always go and fuck with them and talk to them. Yeah. Like that. And see, that's pretty cool because a lot of stars won't do that. So, like, you know, yeah, I you... think that's pretty shitty when they don't because it doesn't cost you anything to go and say hi to somebody. And I could name names of yeah. people who did not do anything like that on several movies when I was going to go do it. But um, I, th I just don't see any reason to not go and say hello, stick your head in, wave hi. Say hi to everybody, you know, give them like five minutes of your time. It doesn't cost anything. I just don't understand stars who want, want to do stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, with this, with this uh, pandemic that's slowly coming to an end, uh, you don't strike me as the type of person who's done any Zoom shows, you know? No, I absolutely have not and will not ever do any type of zoom comedy shows i need an audience i need them to feel me smell me experience me i don't want to do comedy where a you know internet glitch will come at your punchline then you got to try to explain your punchline again and it's too it's just too impersonal to me yeah. i won't be doing any of that i haven't and i won't i, I go back on the road in june so everybody, everybody can wait to see me in person now we're on the down downslope yeah i did my first show actually last night in a year and uh, it was pretty fun and uh you know i it, it was like uh where you like you feel rusty but then you think hey maybe the audience is rusty you know what i mean yeah uh i don't think i'm gonna experience that particular feeling but <laughs> um you know i i understand maybe if you did <laughs> um you can always blame it on the audience if you like, but you know. <laughs> no. But I was just saying, like, it was definitely my fault. But like, yeah, I was trying to make a joke like that, you know, trying to. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love you, Lunell, and I haven't even actually met you. <laughs> the for, so do the. 789,000 Instagram followers I have and most of them have never met me either. <laughs> well, I, I really do thank you for doing this because uh, I know like doing interviews in person is a lot better and you know, you don't do Zoom shows so thank you for allowing to do a Zoom interview. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, I've done many Zoom interviews and um, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I do yearn for the days when we were going to do press for uh upcoming appearance um that we would go to the radio station I yeah. really must be at the radio station you know but i don't care about doing these like this and speaking of um if i might plug uh I, if you want to follow me on instagram it's just at lunell at l-u-e-n-e-l-l -L. My website is heylunell.com, H-E-Y-L-U-E-N-E-L-L.com. I um, have some dates coming up. I'm, I'm going to heal through the end of April. I'm going to go back to L.A. in May and get my house in order, so to speak. And my first three shows are going to be Indianapolis, Atlanta, and St. Louis. Helium. Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis and Helium Comedy Club in St. Louis and uh, the Atlanta Comedy Theater in Norcross, Georgia, uh, Father's Day weekend. Now, I wanted to ask you that as a comic. Which one do you, do you prefer? Do you prefer comedy clubs or do you prefer theaters? Because I, I prefer clubs where it's intimate and, you know, you could hear the laughter for, like, you know, seconds after theaters, it seems like the laughter like goes in a wave you know what i mean so which one do you yeah prefer? i i mean i'm i'm sure that i do prefer clubs but i also love theater shows because the laughs are bigger obviously yeah. uh, there's more people and it's more like a roar and I can't see anybody any damn way, so I don't get any type of stage fright. I'm nearsighted as a bat. My glasses are right here. And um, 
So I don't I don't get any type of stage fright or anything. I wish I could make eye contact with more people in a theater show, but I just pretend that somebody will catch my my gaze and think I'm talking right to them. So, uh, but but I, I I do love the smaller clubs because it reminds me of the good old comedy days. But I will rock out a theater too. I don't have a problem with that either. Yeah. So. Well, when, when this comes back, because I, I co-book a comedy club in Huntington Beach, I think you should come do it. It only fits like 100 people, but it has that club feeling, you know? What club is that? It's called The Rec Room. Oh, The Rec Room. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you would have me there sometime. I would come do that for, you know, just, just to be um, exercising and making new friends and stuff like that. A better demographic. I can't get booked at the you know, they're very, very shitty at the um, the Comedy and Magic Club. Oh, yeah. You know, like they, really, they, won't, they won't let you on stage unless you have a show on TV or something like that, you know. I've never been, been booked there ever. And I hope that they reach out to me someday to want to book me so I can say, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have that power because, like, I'm at the point where, like, I'll take whatever bookings I could get, you know, like I don't have the power to say no because I'm so desperate for money and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, only when you get out of the desperation for money do you have the power to say no. And the yeah. power to say no is powerful because if somebody wants you and they offer you a certain amount of money and you say, no, thanks, and they go, well, damn, I, we got people here ready to buy tickets right now. You know, you don't want to do it. I'm like, no, I need two. I need two tickets, not one. I need a, you know, this kind of hotel, not that. I don't want your sister to pick me up from the airport. I need car service. I need all that stuff. You go, damn, well, I don't know if we can afford all that. Well, that's okay. Maybe you can double back when you can afford me. Then I like, fuck. Okay, okay. You know. Well, see. Uh, I remember when I got rejected by the Hermosa Beach Comedy Club, uh, the guy said his name was Rich, and he said that no one wants to hear an autistic comic talk about autism for 45 minutes. And I was just like... Art autism, it can be as funny as being a paraplegic, as being blind, as being any damn thing else. There's humor in everything. He's an asshole, and now you booked the club, right? No, I booked the rec room in Huntington Beach. Oh, do you mean that the comedy of magic? The guy said that. To yeah, you, right? yeah. Yeah. Well, fuck them anyway, because they don't pay nothing. <laughs> no goddamn way. Where's my boy on the other end? Did he just come in and then didn't want to say nothing? Alan, no, are you still there? No, I, I'm definitely here. I'm definitely here. Don't be shy, Alan. No, don't no. let that little autistic <laughs> bastard take over your show. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you worked with Borat. Uh, I, I thought that was very interesting, and it's one of my favorite funny films. And uh, you, know, you marry him at the end. And uh, yeah, people forget that we got married at the end. <laughs> That's why I was mad about the um, other show because uh, we, uh, Borat and I, like uh, the great Megan Marco, we had two interracial little kids at our feet. Uh -huh. after at, when the movie ended so when this little pasty irish looking white girl came in the movie the second one i'm like well where'd you have this baby at you must have had a fucking other family across town <laughs> because that's not what our kids look like <laughs> boy a man you can't trust a man as far as you can go even in fucking kazakhstan <laughs> here you go now, speaking of Borat, like, what was it like um, auditioning for that? Because that movie didn't seem like it actually had a script. It seemed like it was more filmed as it goes. You know what I mean? Well, the audition process, um, let's just say that I had not seen Sasha Baron Cohen out of his Ali G stuff. So I didn't really know that that was Sasha that was in the room that I was talking to. And the other psycho that's affiliated with the film is Larry Charles, our director, who is like a mad scientist maniac. And that is the beauty of the, the magic behind that film is that everybody in is pretty psycho. I auditioned, I had to... Um, 
they was it was very spontaneous. They didn't have a script even for the audition. They wanted me to pretend like I was like a hooker and tell some wild hooker stories at a fancy dinner party. They were like, go. And so I'm like, you know, and I started making up some wild shit. And then I don't remember exactly what happened, but at some point I took Sasha's hand. This was pre-COVID, of course. And I, I sucked his finger and he was appalled, of course. And um, I'm not saying that my finger sucking skills got me the movie, but he was so appalled that he had to have me. And there you go. <laughs> That's great. Oh, God. Holy Lord. That, so like uh, whenever I, I, I don't do good on audition, I'll just suck the person's finger. Oh, please. Or whatever, or whatever, get you the game. <laughs> well, you got, you got you're, you yeah, know. don't limit yourself. <laughs> I'll tell Rich, hey, Rich, can I suck your finger to play at your club? Oh, boy. Let me be there when you do that. Me too. And then we'll tell them to fuck off together. Yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> now, you're also uh, – Rihanna, I'm gonna say her name wrong because I don't listen to rap that much. But Rihanna, is that her name? Rihanna. Well, yes, yeah, she's also not a rapper. Oh, she's. <laughs> she's not. I just know she 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 has that song "Umbrella," right? Umbrella. Yeah, maybe about ten years ago she recorded <laughs> that song. Well, uh, she she looked you to be the lingerie her lingerie uh, lady. What was that? What's that like? As Savage X Fenty lingerie ambassador is what oh. I technically am. And all it is is having the balls to squeeze into something sexy that Rihanna happens to have in my size and shoot where they see nothing but asses and titties. And then they will never look down to see your belly or nothing like that. Give them a lot of titties. A lot of ass, you know, you can yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, but we, um, I, 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 a friend, we have a mutual friend, and we, we, we talked on the phone spontaneously one night, and I told her that uh, she had some pretty sexy lingerie that I wish that she had some in bigger girl sizes, and she said she does, which I did not know then, but I do know now some of her more voluptuous. Uh, ambassadors as well. And so I told her, I said, shoot, well, I want to be a, a, a lingerie model. She said, let's make it happen. And we laughed and got off the phone. I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, I'm, I didn't give it a second thought. But three days later, Rihanna herself hit me in my DMs and asked me for my email. And I gave her my email. All these contracts started coming. You get paid this amount of money. You got to post twice a month. We'll send you this. We have to send a photo for approval. Da, da, da. I was like, oh, shit. So this is a case of writing a check that your ass literally has to cash. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, my, my daughter was 24 at the time. You know, she's got college friends that follow me on the gram. And, you know, I, I, I this is Rihanna. This isn't, you know, a rainbow. So I... I I'm like very honored to be doing it, but I'm like, oh damn, how am I gonna get into that outfit? Oh shit, these panties are crotchless. Oh my God, I gotta, this, what the fuck am I gonna, how am I gonna shoot this? Well, we figured out a way and every month now they've gotten a little sexier and sexier. Or try to keep it real classic, you know, there's no, there's no crotch shots or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I keep it, you know, tits and ass is usually what I'm trying to show. Bras and panties. And that was another thing I, I actually wanted to go back to coming to America because your daughter's actually in that film too. What's it like working with her professionally and not just mother-daughter? Well, luckily we didn't have any scenes together because I'm not sure that I wouldn't be a helicopter mom and be hovering over and like, smile, baby, smile for the guy. I'm not sure that I wouldn't be doing that. So uh, we did not have scenes together, so we did not work on the same day. But as far as being in the film together, for the family, it was amazing. For uh, her and I set the bar really high, like, you know, like your first major motion picture. 
that got her whose tag card is coming to America. Like that doesn't suck, you know, that yeah, that yeah. raises the bar pretty high. I don't think she'll be doing, you know, Good Burger 2 or anything <laughs> like that. After doing this, she's a little spoiled to the to the stardom. But she's a wonderful dancer and uh, she danced behind Tiana Taylor. She's one of the dancers with the flutes and stuff like that. Sexy, sexy. Yeah. And um, so uh, it was a great experience. And we both were very happy to be going through it together. You know, we had to do the virtual premiere. We, we got gypped out of one of the greatest premieres that Hollywood would have probably ever seen. We probably would have had lions and giraffes. Eddie might have came in on an elephant. Who the fuck knows, you know? Yeah. And answers, it, it could have been great, but it ended up being virtual. And that's just the way it had to be. I hope that I get a chance to do another iconic film and don't get chipped out of our fucking premiere. But when they sent stuff to the house that we had to open on camera and stuff, my daughter was there. We did it together. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, you know, that, that big uh, premiere party is going to happen when you do Good Burger too. Shit. <laughs> The only good burger I'm thinking about is the one that my my sister is seasoning the meat of in a bowl right now. That's the only good burger I'm thinking about. <laughs> What's your favorite burger? Um, I, I you mean chain was my favorite burger chain, or what's my favorite burger that I would make? Uh, let's just do like restaurant chain, whatever, where you go out and you think, okay, this will actually solve my craving. Okay, in and out. It's probably my best burger joint right now. Yeah. Um, there was a different one from in the Bay Area. It used to be a, a place called Quarter Pound Burger. And that used to be the, you know, the holy grail of hamburgers. After the club, drunk, everything like that. A Quarter Pound Burger will cure your DUI in a minute. So uh, I used to love that burger. But I say In-N-Out Burger right now. Like and they, you know, I'm out here in Whataburger territory that my sisters and I'm in Texas. They, that you know, Whataburger, they bow down. They, they worship the church of Whataburger or whatever. Yeah. But that's my favorite burger as far as eating out would be In-N-Out Burger. As far as if I make a burger, I'm going to need the burger, uh, some cheese, lettuce, tomato, onion, avocado, maybe a little pickle, Mayonnaise, mayonnaise toasted bun. That's what I like. Well, I'm going to put that on the rec room menu and it's going to be called the Linnell burger. So when you come in, get you that. <laughs> Don't fuck with me like that. I'll be, I'll, I'll fuck the rest of my PT. I'll come <laughs> to the club next week. <laughs> well, we don't open until July, but no. Oh, lucky me. Yeah, but no. Uh, okay, gonna... I'll finish the rest of my physical therapy then. <laughs> Look what I was about to do for you. I was going to risk it all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But, um... <laughs> but, Linnell, I wanted to ask you, how, how do you, uh, when you do comedy, because you strike me as someone who writes on stage. Uh, am I wrong on that? Or are you, am I totally right? You're totally wrong. Okay. <laughs> I don't even write my material out ever. Right. Never have. I write bullet points. Mm -hmm. Like I just um I just have the gift of I, I have a degree in English literature. I have the gift of gab and I have the gift of storytelling, because that's what you learn when you, you know, take English. Now, uh like you know, I I had I've had double knee surgery since the quarantine right mm -hmm. so i mean if you think i don't have material just about that like the fact that i never thought that i lunel would have a catheter shoved in my pussy but lo and behold it happened twice and i want to meet the motherfucker because they may see me in the grocery store and be like i've been all up in she don't even know and i won't know who they are i think it's unfair and uncouth I felt violated. I said, I think I want to meet the person who puts my catheter in. But yeah. they didn't let me do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet you have an hour just on the knee surgery. You think? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. And the meds. Oh, the meds. It's like after you get a hit of that propofol, you just look up at the sky and say, Michael, I get it. 
<laughs> that probably involves some bad shit. I wish, oh Lord, if I could get my hands on some of that shit, boy. Now, are you, uh, before COVID happened, were you, were you writing for another special? And if so, are you going to pick it up where it, or are you going to add some of this material that you've been writing into your new hour? I, I was not writing for a special in COVID yet because Netflix has not shown any interest in me or anybody else in doing a special with me at this moment. But now I am. I am, excuse me, writing for a special now, and I have been for a couple of months. And it really just doesn't take a lot. Because, see, I'm not a scripted comic. Like, I've never liked doing the comedy shows where they say, well, you're going to have to send us in your set before, you know, before we air. And I might send them anything, and I might say anything the fuck else. Because, like, let's just say I have, you know, 30 minutes worth of comedy for this special. And on the way yeah. to the special something fucking crazy happens. Well, I'm not gonna not talk about that because it's not on the list. I, I'm in control. They don't control me like that. I'm in control. And if I wanna go totally rogue off that list, as long as I still kill, nobody should care. But you have to kill. You can't go off your list and be like, ah, oh, shit, bitch, you should have stuck to the list. If you go off your list of shit, cause I don't write out, but I will give them my bullet points which is the only thing that I use, then if you're going to go off, off of what you said you were going to say, you better fucking kill that shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've been fucked up. You're special. Let me trying to fuck off your money and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's the difference between being a comedic, you know, near genius and being a scripted comic. A scripted comic is going to stick to that script. They're going to do the same shit in Georgia that you see them do in New York that you see them do in Chicago, that you see them do in Utah. But I'm not a scripted comic, so when I'm in down in the dirty south, I'm going to do a different set than I am at Caroline's in New York City. If I'm in New York City, I'm going to do a different set than I am if I have to go up to Nyack or be in the Bronx or something. You know, I got to change according to the audience that I'm I'm working with. Yeah. Alan, you got any last-second questions for Linnell? You, uh, the question I had, uh, she just answered with that. That was wonderful. I haven't heard anyone say that in a while. And since uh, my whole life is unscripted, so shit, that, uh, that was a great thing for her. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I mean about a scripted comic? Mm -hmm. A scripted comic and a hack mm -hmm. are running neck, neck, oh, oh, neck oh, and neck right. to me. Oh, boy. Right. Wait, wait. I'm just saying, if, if I, and, and anybody who's doing the same material after mm -hmm. this quarantine, Mm -hmm. as they did before the quarantine, that they too are a hack. We've been sitting home for a fucking year, and you couldn't think of nothing else to talk about but that bullshit you were talking about a year ago? Oh, you're, you're a loser. You're a hack. Oh, my God. There you go. That's the answer. <laughs> he knows what I'm doing. My boy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> that should be the first joke in the new special <laughs> i'm just saying my eye you know the emoji where your eyes are rolling up i'm like oh my god i know this motherfucker is not still telling that shit and me i probably get up and leave yeah. <laughs> very good i'm not you know very gonna good. stay there to be polite you know and, and hold your dick for you after the show and say you did a good job don't ask me if you don't want to know. Exactly. And they say, how'd you like, how'd you like my set? And I'll be like, well, I saw you do that June last year at a barbecue. What the fuck? <laughs> you ain't got nothing else to fuck. You ain't thought of no new material to talk about. Yeah. We had a whole insurrection. <laughs> we had a whole election. And you don't, you, you still talking about some bullshit and joke. Come on. But you did good at the barbecue. <laughs> well, maybe you should go to the barbecue chain route <laughs> comedy wow. magic club <laughs> now, now lunel what about like uh your your support acts when you hit the road like how how do you how do you uh like how do you do you want comics like that who change the material or like how do you look for when you hire comics like what what is um um well i usually will use I usually will 
Okay, half the time I'll use my host and my feature. It depends on the money, you know what I'm saying? Because if I use my host and my feature, I'm responsible for flying them, hoteling them, ground transporting them and feeding them. If, 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 it ain't, if the money ain't, ain't equating all that, I'll probably use a local host and my own feature. And the thing uh, that the one thing that I um, don't allow on my show, whether I use a local or whether I use my own people, is I do not allow the N-word, period. If anybody's going to say it, it's going to be me, me. And I rarely say it. But I don't want my audience, you know, N-worded out before I get to the stage. It's just uncomfortable. It's like if you, this is what, this is how I feel about comics and say, you know, nigga, nigga, listen, I told this nigga, nigga, if you take a toothpick and you stick yourself with it, it doesn't hurt, right? Right. But if you do that fucking long enough, it becomes irritating as shit. Yeah. It's irritating. That's how I feel about people using the N-word gratuitously on stage. So I do not allow that on my show. And plus, my shows are very racially mixed. From Persians to Latinos to, uh, you know, uh, the Pacific Islanders to, you know, Black folks. I'm very, and I, and I had my Vegas residency before this shut down. And, you know, that's people, some of them don't even speak English. They just saw me a Borat, saw the flyer, bought the ticket and came on in the showroom, you know? Yeah. So you have to be mindful, like I said, of the people that you're performing in front of. Now, if I'm down in motherfucking, you know, shoelace Tennessee, I might let the N-word fly because, you know, that's who's in there. Right. Room full of them. But I'm not going to say that, you know, if I'm in warming up for Jimmy Kimmel, you know, I'm not going to do that. Now, and I just don't allow it on my show. I don't allow anybody to say it but me. No, we, we don't. We don't promote the video. We just promote the audio. So you're good. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> what do you mean about that? <laughs> you mean you don't want people to know I'm black? Oh, I think they figured it out by now. Uh, <laughs> Too no. late. I think they guessed it. <laughs> No, no, I just have two more questions for you. Uh, one, I don't care. I could do this all day with you crazy motherfuckers. Oh, oh, yeah. I just want to respect okay. your time. Nah, go ahead. Uh, speaking of the Jimmy Kimmel, I know that you were the first female uh, headliner to be at the Jimmy Kimmel. What was, what was that like? I, I think I'm the first person to have a repeat, like, residency. Yeah, that, yeah um, that's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, um, well, it's great because, you know, this is Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. It has a whole television show attached to it. Like, you can work in Caesars for 15 years and nobody may know you, not never know you. But if you're doing Jimmy's Club, you probably will do Jimmy's show, which I did. And that's more national attention to you. So, you know, that's a blessing to have Kimmel have his own club in Las Vegas. And, you know, there I was on the marquee. I was on the strip. I was on um, the uh, billboard. That's where you get your luggage at in the airport. It was great promotion through Caesars and Kimmel. And then when Eddie was on Jimmy promoting the movie. I said, look at my boss talking to my boss. <laughs> now, speaking of your boss, uh, Eddie Murphy said he's going to come back to com to stand up when this is uh, over. Do you think he, I oh, guess he hasn't, God. yeah, like, how do you, do you think he could still do it? I mean, I wanted to. Oh, I think so. Well, first of all, he didn't say that. He said that had COVID not Shut up. See, we made the movie before COVID, thank God. Yeah. But what he had wanted to do, knowing that you've got Leslie Jones, Nav Green, Rodney Perry, Tracy Morgan, Arsenio, Eddie, and me, that's seven comics. He said that we would have he would have liked to go on tour with us before the movie came out mm -hmm. as a 
as promotion for the movie and also as his way to break back into stand-up. Do I think he can still do it? Absolutely. Do I think that he will slay and kill us? Absolutely. Did you not see him host Saturday Night Live? Uh, I did not. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I don't either. It should have been off TV fucking 30 years ago. And that's, that's what Eddie said. I agree. Said, Black people. <laughs> I since he left. <laughs> I believe I believe the last good SNL year was when oh, Will Ferrell's last year. I'll I'll buy that yeah. because it's been trash. And you know I understand my Rudolph uh, hanging on, but I think she left. She came back and hosted this last weekend, and um, you know I understand Kel hanging on, you know because. I don't think that they're beating the door down looking for for Keenan Kale, whatever the fuck his name is. But um You're good burger uh, stars. No, no, <laughs> but the um but but Saturday Night Live has been trash in my book, this is my opinion, for years. You know, they don't have no more Eddies, they don't have no more uh, Martin Shorts, they don't have no more Chris Rocks, and they don't have no more Gilda Radners and all that stuff. They're gone. Mm -hmm. And those were the years that I loved it. You know, I'm going to say the Belushi years were my favorite. I miss people like Belushi and Sam Kinison and stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, 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 if, if they wanted to really, really do some damage, they should have me on their hosting and let me have a say-so in some of them, uh, their um their skits, you know, because they can punch the fuck up, really. <laughs> now, would you ever, like, want to be a series cast member on SNL if they offered it to you? Not really. No? No, and not even for the money. It just would take, I don't want to be a cast. I want to be an enigma. I don't play well in the sandbox with others unless I'm making a major motion picture or a television show. <laughs> but playing, playing nice in the sandbox, which with a bunch of corny motherfuckers, I'd just be rolling my eyes and sucking my teeth. And they say <laughs> Lunell has a bad attitude, just like they did when I worked at the bank. <laughs> so, yeah, now, no, I would not. Now, speaking of the, speaking of the bank, uh, I heard you were you 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 like. Is this true that you robbed it, or do you not, or not true? Holy Lord. <laughs> I find that men, when they find out that I robbed a bank, I find that to be like an aphrodisiac. I can go out on the date with almost anybody and say, well, yeah, you want to go to dinner? Because I want to hear all about this bank robbery. I'd be like, sure, yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it technically is called embezzlement. <laughs> But it's still robbing the bank. It's just robbing the bank that you happen to work at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Now, uh, who? Two more questions. Um, who's the most intimidating comedian you've ever had to follow? Well, I. Well, that I've ever had to follow. Usually, if they're that intimidating, nobody follows them, you know, right. at the end. But I, I'd say one of the most intimidating comics that I used to work with that was intimidating until we became very, very good friends. And then he requested me and we was on the road together. I'd say maybe Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, I'd say maybe him because I'm not easily intimidated. You know, I'll go behind any motherfucking body. I don't care. I wouldn't be excited to go behind Chappelle, but I'd do it. I absolutely wouldn't follow Cat Williams. Forget it. Really? Wow. See, I, I'm kind of like that, too, where, like, uh, I don't mind if I follow somebody. I'm not saying that I'll do good, but like I, I, I love stand up so much, I'll do it even if like that's the only spot offered. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I understand. I do. Yeah. And then uh, the last question I have for you 
and forgive me because I'm sure you've been asked this, but uh, uh, I'm a huge Sandra Bullock fan. She's like my my crush. I wanted to know. Like, wanted to know what was, what was she like? You know. Okay, so I did this movie with Sandra Bullock called All About Steve. And it also had a young Bradley Cooper and an even younger Ken Jeong, okay? And then, of course, Bradley and Ken went on to do the Hangover series together. And I did A Star is Born with, with Bradley. Mm -hmm. um, Sandra is so super cool that I could not believe it. I mean, she, she, she's she got two dogs that she rescued. They're living the fucking lavish life. Now the fucking dogs living better than you or me right now. One of them ain't got no front legs and one of them's got a missing hind leg. And their little asses hopping around like bunny rabbits and hop right up on a fucking $75,000 trailer and lay in a beautiful bed eat gourmet motherfucking dog food. And um, she's very patient because I think that she had something to do with a little bit of directing that film as well. But she's really, really cool. She's really super cool. Super, 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 super cool. That's good to hear because you hear yeah. all these horror stories about like you should never meet your heroes, you know what I mean? And I always wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know. She's a wonderful, wonderful... I had and have, a, you know, I've had bad experiences like Tommy Davidson. He wasn't my hero, but I was really excited to be working with him back in the day. And he was just a dick. Uh, maybe he's not a dick, and maybe he was just a dick to me. Yeah. So, you know, it could, could be me. But we've worked together since then because we're professionals. But I still don't give a fuck that much. Yeah, I got a crazy story about Tommy Davidson. Uh, he was performing at the Mall of America in uh, Minnesota at the House of Comedy Club. And there was like a, a big uh, blizzard, you know, like it locked everyone in. So like he didn't sell any tickets. There's maybe seven people in the audience. And I was visiting my father who lives there. And uh, I asked if I could do a set. And uh, they, he said, sure, you know, he didn't know me. I did a set, and then he went on, and he did, like, two hours for seven people. And I was just like, wow. So, like, I don't know if he's a dick or not, but as an artist, I was like, holy Lord, that's incredible. You know what I mean? That's a narcissistic psycho <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I would go out into the audience. I would sit with the seven people. I would kiki with them for maybe 45 minutes and be like, okay, you had a personal kiki with me for 45 minutes. I'm gone. And, you know, it's a blizzard. I suggest you take this stuff home. To hold somebody <laughs> in a blizzard for two hours, seven people, that's like holding somebody hostage. <laughs> that's what a narcissist will do. Absolutely a narcissist can do that. Fuck. <laughs> I love you, Linnell. <laughs> well, I'm a love me or hate me type of chick. <laughs> now, Alan Wade, do you have any last second questions for Linnell? No, I tell you, this was another lesson uh, for me to put in my uh, my satchel of comedy lessons. Huh? And, uh, hopefully, I'll open the fucking satchel and get up uh, ASAP. Yeah, baby, open that bag up and let that shit fly. I am, um, like I said, I'm just very happy to have had this interview today, oh. and I like you guys, and, you know, uh, don't let nobody tell you shit. You, uh, me, and, and your, your co-host, we have a date to go to the motherfucking magic, comedy and magic yeah, theater, and <laughs> throw eggs at that bitch and tomatoes and shit. <laughs> And I'm going to call TMZ because I got them on speed dial. <laughs> and then we're going to do the rec room and have a Lunell burger. There you go. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. I will do that. I, I'm going to hold you to that, too. No, I, you never know when I might pop through there. I want to oh. see my motherfucking burger on the menu. The second, the second we hang up, I'm going to email your publicist my number, and she could send it to you, and you could text me, and we'll make it happen. Okay. I promise okay. you that. Um.
Okay, yes. uh, Lunell, we got to wrap up. I, I know you don't have Twitter anymore. I know you have a bad history with Twitter. All right, yeah, I got uh, hacked, and then the hacker's friends knew who it was and told me and sent me all kind of evidence, and I sent it all to Twitter. And I had pictures and everything. The Twitter didn't do a damn thing to help me get my Twitter back. So fuck Twitter. Instagram gets all my love. All right. What, well, what's your Instagram so the folks can follow you? My Instagram is, uh, uh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm about to gag out. My Instagram is at Lunell, at L-U-E-N-E-L-L on Instagram. Please subscribe to me. Follow me, as they say. Um, my website is heylunell.com, and that will have my tour dates, um, which is, you know, a Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis. It's going to be, I think, the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of June. Then I have the uh, Atlanta Comedy Theater in Norcross, and that's Father's Day weekend. And the following weekend... I am at Helium once again in St. Louis. Those are my first three dates out of quarantine. Hold on to your britches. Yeah. And after that, the rec room. Yeah. <laughs> For burgers yeah. and jokes. <laughs> now, thank you so much. And um, next time we'll do a studio. And, uh, you know, I, I had a blast. You really made me thank smile today. So thank you. you. Lunell. Yeah, my pleasure. And like I said, I'm not sure who said that to you, but fuck them. Whether whether whatever your honey is not is whatever your your um your status is physically or mentally, don't nobody have the right to tell you that you're never gonna be nothing, that you suck or anything like that. Um, because some of the craziest situations have netted us some of the most beautiful and wonderful people. Some of the people who have flopped on the Apollo have came back there and slayed, you know? So, uh, I mean, look at my boyfriend, Bruno Mars. He started off imitating Elvis Presley at six years old. That was a hacky-ass job. But, uh, you know, because I don't fuck with kids. I'm like W.C. Fields. But um, but look at him now, you know? So don't, don't nobody have the right to tell you that shit. So if anybody ever says anything foul like that, uh, to you again, you tell them uh, to go to hell and tell them that your Auntie Lunell said so. Oh, I love you, Lunell. Thank Don't you so you much. I don't let nobody talk to you like that. Shit. <laughs> All righty. Well, I'll talk to you later. I'm going to email the publicist right now my number and we'll text. <laughs> that sounds fine to me. Have a great Bye. day, Lunell. To both of you and your audience, thank you for having me on. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you for doing it. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. That was the interview with Linnell, guys. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast. Alan Lee, that was fantastic. I learned so much from her. And what I liked about she said how about hack, because, you know, sometimes we use that word hack. Uh, it's true. Someone who does not write. We use that word. <laughs> Yeah, well, she used it. I heard on the interview. Yeah, but you use it all the time. Yeah, well, I could use it. It's you know, it's a free country, free speech, First Amendment. You can use any fucking word you want. So, getting my, to my point, she did make a wonderful point about people who don't write new material. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad this is not a video. That don't write new material and use the same fucking joke. You know that they've been using before COVID and even before that. And that applies to all of us. We need to write new material. You know, because if you say the same fucking joke over and over again, it's good. It's good. But, you know, as you get, you know, you move up the grid, you know, you, you, and you're a big, strong man now, you know, and uh, that's not nice. Uh, you're, a, you're a big, strong man now. Sometimes when you say something like, you know, like, like that's not nice. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I just want to say that I'm very glad that we're not on video uh, because uh, these, these uh, physical comedy that he's doing now is really, uh, how shall I say, filthy. Very good. That's funny. That's really funny. So anyway, I hope that uh, we have more guests come on and 
uh, I was saying, you know, Sandra Bullock was an interesting, interesting. Uh, I I forgot that you're such a big Sandra because you know you normally you talk about Cusack or what's that guy Cusack? John Cusack. Yeah, but this time you brought up uh, Bullock, Bullock, Sandra Bullock, and I, I forgot that you're a big fan of hers. I am. So All right, I, Alan Lee, we gotta end the show. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Razor Riffs, and we'll see you next time. Beautiful. Right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.